It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, looking at Ritter's potential stat line, concerns over Elder, and a second look at the Bates move. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So I did this with my radio audience last night, and we were kind of having a little bit of fun with it. What's a potential stat line? for Desmond Ritter this upcoming season. Now, I'm going to ask you to leave a comment about what you think the numbers are going to be. I'm looking for yardage, completion percentage, touchdown interception ratio. So that's, that's and, and I'm not saying like three to one or something like that. I'm talking about touchdowns and, and interceptions, okay? So when I look at Desmond Ritter, this is what I, I've come up with, okay? I think 2,950 yards. That would be a little bit higher than just slightly higher than what the Falcons threw for this past season. 65% completion, which would be a couple percent points better than what he threw this past year at, uh, at I think it was 63%, 62 and a half or 63%, but 65% completion percentage and 22 touchdowns to nine interceptions. So how did I come up with kind of these numbers? Well, I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to get a chance to throw the football enough to be a 3,3500 yard quarterback. Now that's not taking anything away from Desmond Ritter. I just think that their playing personality and their identity is such that obviously they're a run first offense. They were the only offense that caught a majority of run plays and they're going to stay with that identity. Again, you didn't draft B. John Robinson to throw it 45 times a game. Now, yes, he'll catch passes and all this good stuff, but the philosophy is still the same with Arthur Smith. And you're running behind a dominant offensive line, especially on the right-hand side of that offensive line, that we know that at least in the run game, we don't know as much about the pass game, and that's where my concerns are. But at least in the run game, you know what you've got. And and that is the concern with the offensive line is, okay, if you're going to drop Ritter back and throw it around more, how, how well can they protect him? Obviously, McGarry had a really good year last year, but still had his issues pass blocking. And I certainly don't want, and we talked about this yesterday, if you're going to play Hennessy and Dahlman together, I don't want those guys dropping, you know, letting Desmond Ritter drop back 500 times in a season and just him getting run over at that point. So, again, the strength of this offensive line is, run and run to the right-hand side of it and mash people over. The other part of this is I definitely think that Desmond Ritter will get a chance to increase his completion percentage simply because I don't think they're going to take as many risky throws. And, and this ties into the interceptions as well. Look, 
thought Marcus Mariota, whether it was designed by him or whether he was taking some shots, thought he really put at times the offense behind the eight ball with some of the decision-making and some of the throws that he made. And I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to make some of those same mistakes. I don't think he's going to get a chance to make some of those same mistakes that Mariota did. So I could see him with, with in the short passing game without having to force the football too far downfield that his completion percentage will go up over this. So again, it, it will be a little bit of an increase. Now, again, I'm not looking for 4,000 yards and 70% completion percentage and things like that. It's not going to be those kinds of numbers. But if he can throw for almost 3,000 yards and 65% completion percentage, Falcons can win some games. Now, the 22 touchdowns, nine interceptions. I do think that that 22 touchdown mark is the biggest area of room for growth. <clears throat> Could that be 25, 26 dare I say, even 27 touchdowns or somewhere in that kind of range? Absolutely. You know, could Desmond Ritter add 10 or 15% more onto that total? Absolutely. This is where when we get into the red zone, I think that his decision-making and how he runs this offense, that there's going to be a myriad of different things to be able to do down in the red zone. It's not going to have to just be turn and hand off and, Let's run it up the gut and, you know, punch it in the end zone. There will be some of that. But I definitely think that the idea of they expand what they do in the red zone with London, with Pitts, with Jonu Smith, with their running backs catching the football, all right? There's a lot of different weapons that you can use down in the red zone. And we've talked about, look, if he's getting into that 26, 27 kind of range, then we're probably a really good red zone offense. We're probably in that top five or six of red zone offense. Now, I had a caller last night that said, well, I think he could be 34, 35 touchdowns. All right, just understand that that would be awesome, but 34, 35 touchdowns, he's 3,000 yards and 34, 35 touchdowns. He's in the MVP discussion. Not say he's going to win it, but he's in the MVP discussion. And if he's in the MVP discussion, then we're going to go a long way this year. Like, it's not going to be just, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, get into the playoffs. We're going to go a long way if my quarterback is throwing 35 touchdowns. Again, Matt in his MVP year threw 38, and then in 2018, he added another 35. You get to that kind of level where you're throwing 35 touchdowns, you're in the MVP discussion at that point. So I don't know quite that he's there just yet. But, again, I think that 22 is a fair number when you look at what his touchdown total can be. I don't think, again, like I said, I don't think they're going to ask him to huck it around the yard as much as what some people think. The nine interceptions, you know, I think he has, I think he does make some mistakes over the course of the season, but he doesn't, he doesn't become the turnover machine that Marcus Mariota was. And he was a machine. I mean, he was a very turnover-prone quarterback. I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to be that kind of guy. I don't think he's going to force some of the plays that Marcus Mariota did. And I don't think he's going to be dumb with the football or reckless with the football at times. So again, I think that the interception ratio will stay in a moderate. I mean, again, you're talking about what, basically two and a half to one. As long as he can stay above that two to one mark, 
then he's not putting his team in, in jeopardy, right? There's an old saying in baseball that if you're stealing bases at less than a 67% success rate, basically two to one, if you're stealing bases at less than a two to one rate, then you're actually hurting your team and you're costing your team runs. Well, again, if you're caught, if you're, if your quarterback is throwing as many touchdowns as he does interceptions, um, you know what that's going to be. That's going to be a whole heap of trouble for it. And it's going to be a whole lot of losses that are going to be on the schedule. So I'll take 2,950 yards, 65% completion, 22 touchdowns, nine interceptions. And again, we said, we want you to leave a comment about what we're actually, what you think that the numbers are actually going to be. Now, again, can Ritter be a 3,000-yard, 25-touchdown quarterback? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no reason why he can't be that. In today's NFL especially, no reason why he can't be that. But I don't think he's going to be in that 3,800, 35-touchdown, 70% kind of range. Again, we're talking about the MVP of the league at that point. Right. I mean, again, when you start getting into those kinds of numbers and I know fantasy football people and all those kinds of things and they get hung up on the, you know, in the mix of what their stat line. You go 35, 3,800 yards and, and 35 touchdowns, you're going to be maybe potentially the MVP of the league. And now we have a whole if he does play that way and God hopefully does. OK, but if he does play that way, now we're in a whole other stratosphere as far as what he can be or where this team is going. Now we can talk Super Bowl. My quarterback's the MVP of the league. We're in the Super Bowl discussion at that point. Don't think he's quite there yet, but I think Desmond Ritter does have himself a pretty good year, and he builds on all the success that he had as he went through the four games last year and built in each and every week. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As you know, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And as we're now into the second half of MLB season, you can take your first swing at betting on MLB at FanDuel, where you can get 10 times the amount of your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. So if you bet 20 bucks, you're going to get $200, whether you win or whether you lose. $200 either way. That's $200 you can spend on everything from betting on the money line to the over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run. And obviously FanDuel is a safe, secure, super easy to use app. But most importantly is when you win, you get paid instantly. So no better place to bet on FanDuel than um, uh, bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today, head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to get $200 in bonus bets on your first bet, win or lose, fanduel.com slash locked on, fanduel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Fanduel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. So it was another rough outing for Bryce Elder, and I was looking forward to seeing what he was going to do in this matchup last night. The Arizona Diamondbacks had lost four games in a row as the Braves opened up a series against Arizona at Truist Park. Um, obviously, back home, you know, again, after the All-Star break, he's had some rest. I mean, again, they didn't have to pitch in the All-Star game. Um, you know, a lineup that, you know, really isn't all that great. Um, and they've been floundering around 
here of late because they were, like I said, they were on a four game losing streak offensively. They've not been a very good offense here in the last couple of weeks or what have you. And, you know, again, you know, I thought elder would get himself back on track. Well, unfortunately it was another rough outing this time, two and two thirds, seven hits, seven runs, five of them earned with a walk and four strikeouts. So, one is good that he cut down on the number of walks because remember in the previous start against Tampa, that really hurt him where he not only gave up the six hits, but he also gave up the four walks without striking out anybody. So three and a third, seven earned runs, four walks and no strikeouts. So his last two outings, and this is concerning at this point, last two combined outings at Tampa, home with Arizona last night, six innings, 13 hits, 14 runs, 12 of them earned with five walks and only four strikeouts. Folks, that comes out to an 18 ERA. More concerning is that the the two teams hit him at a 400 batting average clip, 419 to be exact with a 500 on base and an 839 slugging, that's a 1,339 OPS. That is concerning. And I don't, you know, again, I don't know if Strider's starting to hit a little bit of a wall. I don't know, or sorry, um, Elder, if he's starting to hit a little bit of a wall or what have you. But this is two outings that really, and again, it's not just a sporadic thing where, okay, you know, it's a bad outing. We move on always back to, you know, back to pitching. Well, no, this is back to back outings where he's gotten not just kind of hit a little bit. He's been shelled. Now, again, he had been really good money wise, you know, again, through the month of June, um, you know, six innings and four runs, you know, in his first start in June, then June 11th, five, you know, five and a third, five and runs That's a little bit rough, but his last three starts, last four starts actually, going into the all-star break against Colorado, six innings, a run against uh, Philadelphia, seven innings, no runs against the Minnesota twins, six innings, two runs. And then the the start before he went into the all-star break or sorry, no, the the start before he, the start before the all-star break was the Tampa Bay start. The start right before that on July 3rd was against Cleveland, six and two thirds, two earned runs. So he'd gotten over a little bit of a hiccup in the first couple of starts where, again, 11 and a third innings of nine earned runs, and then he put together four consecutive really good starts. About where you expect Bryce Elder to be, right? Expect you know, When you expect him, okay, six innings, two, three runs, we can take that, right? But these last two starts have reverted back to where, mm, okay, there's some concern there. And look, when, when I look at this, you know, again, right now, Max Fried is still trying to work his way back in. Soroka is still trying to get his sea legs underneath him. And we've talked about the idea that, unfortunately, and this is maybe a lot of pressure, but Elder, Strider, Morton have to be rocks. Like, they have to be consistent rocks right now for this team until we get everybody back up to speed, back healthy, this, that, and the other. You know, you can afford to have Bryce Elder 
not make some quality starts if you've got Freed, Wright, Soroka, whoever, you know, and they're consistently doing their thing. Or, you know, again, you can afford a hiccup here or there. But unfortunately, you can't afford very many hiccups right now when you don't have all of those other guys that are in this, you know, rotation right now. And that's the thing is, again, we've seen Elder be so consistently good, but it's been a little bit of a Dow Joneser, right? You know, first part of June was down here, you know, come through the middle, you know, late June, 1st of July. Okay, we're back up to where we want to be. And then the last two starts right before the break and right after the break, thump. And I know the Tampa Bay Rays are a really good offense, and they, they're they one of the better offenses in Major League Baseball. So I can kind of give you that. But this Diamondbacks team, and again, that was a wild game last night, 16-13. to 13. That was just, again, a football game broke out uh, at Truist Park. So I don't know how much football they play at Truist Park ever, but, uh, you know, again, that was that was a football game that broke out. But it was a little bit concerning because – the Diamondbacks have not been a very good offense. And he got, and and again, this is two starts in a row where he's gotten shelled. Like he's not been kind of dinked and doinked and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, again, he's given up three homers in his last six innings. Start giving up that many homers. You know, again, you're, you're going to put yourself behind the eight ball. And again, again, he got off to a, a start where he gave up a couple of runs in the first inning but as what the Braves do is they spotted him five runs. So again, he was down two nothing at the top of the first. Then the Braves come to bat. They put up a five spot and now all of a sudden he's got a five to two lead. And you would think, okay, got through a rough first inning. He would kind of settle down and, and work his way in. And then he got kind of shelled for it. So there is some concern about the fact that elder has kind of a little bit on a roller coaster here. Again, I don't know if it's just too much work, too much, you know, pressure, whatever. I, whatever the, the reasons are, they need Bryce Elder to be that kind of guy that he was in the first half of the season. And again, when when you're, you know, when you're going multiple starts where, you know, again, if you look at his last eight starts, four have been really good, but four have been stinkers. And that is a little bit concerning. We're not talking about a sample size of just one or two games we can extrapolate over an eight game, you know, where again, that's going to be a quarter of your starts that, you know, for a normal major league pitcher, that's going to be a quarter of your season in an eight start deal. So again, let's hope elder can get himself on track. Hopefully gets himself worked out to whatever his issues are and gets back to being that all-star pitcher that we've had to count on. Because again, we're not in a position where we can just sit around and wait for everybody to just come back and be up to speed and everything like that. All right, as you go in and make a hit and hard your first listen, be sure to go in and leave us a comment about uh, being an everyday listener to the program. I like to call them our everyday or so. Whatever platform that you're listening on, leave us a comment that you're an everyday or listener to the program as uh, you listen in five days a week. We do thank you so much for being a part of our growing community. So I came across an interesting article from Bleacher Reports NFL website, and they went in, and this is from Christopher Knox, who went in and they were regrading the biggest trades and free agent signings of the NFL offseason. Okay. And and they'd had writers that put out these, you know, grades and things and stories and stuff like that, you know, here earlier 
in the offseason when they first you know came up. So, for instance, Panthers trade up for the number one pick in the draft. All right. Um, the Panthers, uh, they, they gave the Panthers in a regrade an A, and they gave the Bears an A+. Plus, right? So now that we've had the benefit of some hindsight on these moves and we've seen what the teams have done and this, that, and the other, right? You get the concept of all this, right? For instance, the Rams trading Jalen Ramsey to the Miami Dolphins. They gave that move a D plus for the Rams, but they gave that move an A for the Miami Dolphins, okay? And they go through several of these, you know, A.A. Ron, um, you know, to the Jets, um, Javon Hargrave, again, free agent signing, um, Orlando Brown. But then they come to the Jesse Bates signing for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and here's the write-up that they have. The Atlanta Falcons got in early on free agent action, taking former Bengals safety Jesse Bates, uh, signing him to a four-year, $64 million deal. There's a lot to like about the addition, specifically Bates' potential upside in a system of new defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen. Bates had four interceptions last year to go with a uh, to go with eight passes defended and an opposing passer rating of only 76.1 in coverage. Nielsen uh, comes over from the New Orleans Saints, where the deep safeties like Marcus Williams and Marcus May had a featured role. Bates can do the same for Atlanta, though as Davenport noted, and, and this is from their writer, Davenport. When I say Davenport, that's their that's their writer um, that did the original um, story. That was Gary Davenport, who did the original story. Um, again, they say that he doesn't play what is considered a premium position. So here's what Davenport wrote at the time. Time and again, we've seen bad teams go wild on spending money in free agency in an effort to reverse their fortunes. More often than not, it just doesn't work, especially when huge money is spent at non-premium positions. He had given the, the uh, move a C-plus because of the financial uh, value of the deal, on the field and in meeting rooms, though, Bates' experience and leadership will benefit Atlanta's secondary. And he go he goes in and, and gives him a regrade of C+. Now you say, well, wait a second. You know, this guy's one of the best safeties in the NFL and blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> okay, what did we just talk about a couple of days ago, right? What, what did we just talk about here very recently, the first part of the week? He had a former NFL GM and Ryan Mueller that said, I don't know if the Falcons have enough bells and whistles at premium position to influence the game where it matters most. And this is one of those deals where, again, not hating on Jesse Bates, because again, you're going to, I know what you're going to say. Oh, he's hating on Jesse Bates. No, when you give $64 million to a non-premium position, in the league, and that's the place where you spend your most money when, again, we can't put a quarterback on the ground to save our life. Yeah, but we addressed the, the path. Okay, uh, again, you can't be worse than 18, 19 sacks like we've been. We've had 39 sacks in the last two years. The Eagles had 70 in one year. We've had a three-year stretch of 68 sacks. The Eagles had 70. Where'd the Eagles end up? Where'd the chefs end up? I understand their offensive, but again, the one thing that they can do defensively is sack the quarterback. And, and it, they, they roll right through everywhere. I mean, again, we, we, we've gone down this whole list. 
about that, you know, again, the premium that you have as far as pass rush goes. And, and again, it's still my big concern with this team at premium positions. And so I think that's a fair grade. I, I think Bates is a really good player. I, I know he's a really good player. But again, it's a non-premium position. And, and did the Falcons overpay? I don't know. I mean, it's what market value says. But even though the safety position has been a little bit devalued, you saw that there weren't a lot of safeties getting big-time money you know, on the marketplace. So maybe they did a little bit and maybe, you know, again, you had to overpay to get him here and I'm not minimizing what his contribution is going to be. But again, when I see us having investments in the Jesse Bates of the world and we're not taking flyers on Ngakwe or Houston or Melbourne, when we're not taking flyers on some of those guys that can, you know, our premium position guys, that don't cost $14 million a year, I do kind of scratch my head a little bit. Because, again, it's the big concern. And if you can't do that skill, if you can't if you can't influence the game in a premium position, you're going to fight and struggle. Again, I, I keep asking all of you, you know, it, do you understand why the Falcons have had no winning season since 2017? Like, for a league that is all set up to – Turn it from worst to first. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Like the Lions, they they were a no-win team a few years ago. They won nine games this past year because they made their investments in their offensive and defensive lines. They've got a good quarterback, and again, they've got a good head coach, and voila, you turn things around, and they're nine and eight, and they're one of the sexy teams this year in the NFL to, to continue to build off that. So I think the I think it's a fair grade of what they gave Jesse Bates a C plus because while he may be a good player, we keep getting into these non premium positions about how much money that we're spending, and I'll continue to beat the drum on all of this. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll gladly be wrong if the Falcons are a Super Bowl contender this year. But I've been down this road for thirty years, folks. I've seen this for 30 years. I have a pretty good handle on this organization. You know, I talk to people and spend time and, you know, I've got my inside sources as well. You know, again, I do work for the flagship of the radio station, flagship radio station for the team. I hear and know some things and stuff like that, you know? So again, I'm I'm not minimizing, but it is non-premium positions that we're fighting. Hopefully Bates works himself out. Again, I've said he needs to be a second-team all-pro player. If he can get back to that level, no issue, no problem. I like the player. I don't like the, the positional value that has been placed on that. That's my only beef with all of this. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on, that you're an everyday listener to the program. When I call them our everydayers, and we thank you so much for being a part of our community. You can uh, subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. It's been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey. 
Hey Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.